Welcome to Cowboy Jim's Stories Around the Campfire. A lot of people think that living the life of a rancher, being on a ranch, the life of a cowboy is a lot of excitement and glory. You know, we always think about the guy riding the horse, wearing a neat hat, has his chaps on, nice boots, and really a dashing figure. That's what we often think. And I often thought I looked like that. I know that I didn't, but that was what I liked about ranching. Being the cowboy, being the part of a cowboy was really, really fun. But there's a lot more to ranching than riding a horse or being a cowboy, especially these days. Where we were there on the ranch up in Newcastle and Colorado and then later down in Fruta and then even in Pagosa Springs, a lot of big ranches, a lot of places that we had to work really hard, there was a lot more that went on. One of the things we had to do all the time was irrigate the hay fields. To irrigate means you get the water coming from the ditch or wherever it's coming from and getting it so that it spreads out and waters all the hay on a particular field. When things are nice and flat, and they were that in Fruta on a couple of our fields, and you could use kind of little pipes and things like that to irrigate the corn and things like that, it's mostly just a matter of moving those pipes along the ditch. But up on the Newcastle place, for instance, it was every day having to move plastic dams, carrying your shovel, you're walking around in big rubber hip boots and trying to get the water to go where you want it to go. I mean, I know the water goes downhill, but there's a thing called gophers. And gophers dig holes in your fields and the water starts going down those holes and suddenly you're watering a place that's 50 feet away or sometimes even farther than that, way off to the side. And you have to figure out how to get the water onto the field because you want the whole field wet. My dad was really good with irrigating. He worked hard. He just knew how water ran and was able to do it. I did it a lot. I don't know that I was as good, and I think I probably put a lot more work into it. What you would have to do is the water is released into your ditches. Then you have to put in dams. And the dams were usually made from plastic or sometimes burlap bags. And you would dam up part of your smaller ditch so that the water would back up and then go down the places where you wanted it to go. And you might have to do that a couple of times a day in order to get the field wet like you wanted it to be. Sometimes those ditches just didn't want to cooperate or there have been gophers or once in a while beavers have been working on the ditch and you have to repair a lot of things. And so you bring your plastic dams, however many you're able to carry, and as well as your shovel, you spend a lot of time just walking and digging and putting in the dams, and it's a lot of hard work. There are times I've stepped into 
deeper water, trying to fix the dam, make sure everything is okay. And suddenly that ice cold water comes in over the top of my hip boots and that water was cold and then spent the rest of the day with cold feet. It was not always the most pleasant thing. I often thought I would like to do a lot of other things than irrigate. Uh, but one of the things that I had to do made me want to go back to irrigating, and that was cleaning out ditches. We had one place there on the Newcastle place. It was a, a big ditch. It was one of the main ones that hadn't been used for a couple of years. And so one day my job was to go in there with my shovel, clean out that ditch, make sure it was ready to run water. And so the whole day, I'm spent digging the ditch. That's a lot of hard work. You're wanting to make sure you get all the limbs out and the rocks out of the way, making sure that the water is going to go down. And then I got to a place where the ditch went underneath a whole bunch of oak brush. The oak brush is kind of a tree, but not real big, but it's oak. And it just really clogs things up and it's hard to walk through. It's hard to ride through if you're on horseback. And there was a whole big patch. I don't know, maybe a quarter of a mile or so that was right over the top of this ditch I was having to dig out. Of course, I was grumbling and complaining to myself the whole time because I was there by myself and it's, it's hard work and it was hot work. So I was digging along there and getting the ditch pretty good. And all of a sudden, right in front of me, it scared the life right out of me. There was a great big old horned owl sitting in that brush right there. I mean, he was almost face to face with me before he suddenly got scared and he took off. He was scared. I was scared. I was not very happy with that job. Digging ditch, uh, that's all part of being a cowboy, being on the ranch. Another thing that uh, we had to do a lot of, and that was fix fence. Up there on the Newcastle place and even on the Fruita place up in our summer pasture, uh, there's a lot of fences that need fixed because in the wintertime, there's so much snow, it just beats down on the fence and it will break the old fences and the old wire. And in the meantime, there are some things that just walk through the wire. Or Those fences, some of those were so old, I, I don't know when they were built. But one summer, it became my job to fix fence. And for actual count, 24 days straight, I had to go fix fence all around our upper pasture. And the way that we did that was uh, had a little Jeep. It was a World War II, 1944 Willie's Jeep. I painted it bright red and I would drive it as far as I could. But this time there was a, a big wash, kind of a culvert that was out of the road. And so I could only go that far. So from there, I would have to walk. And at first, it was only like a half a mile or so to get to the fence. But each day as I repaired more and more fence, the beginning walk got longer and longer. 
I would start on that fence and every day as you start out, you have several things with you. You have a hammer, you have some fence pliers, uh, you have a whole bunch of staples, you have a fence stretcher, and a whole lot of what we used was number nine wire to help repair those fences. And sometimes I would carry a, a small axe or a hatchet with me too. And I would carry all that stuff up to the fence and start repairing. And basically that means you pick all the wires up, make sure they're up off the ground, wherever they're broken, you uh, put the fence stretcher on those wires, pull it together, make some loops, put your number nine wire through to hold that. And then wherever the staples have popped out, you pop in new staples. And in some places you have to put in some new little fence posts or stays to help everything keep up there. It it's a it's a long process and there were miles and miles and miles of fence around this place. Some of it was extremely steep. Some of us, I talked about the oak brush, going up through oak brush, trying to get the fence straight. It was, it was a long, long time to get everything fixed. Towards the end, uh, we had hired another guy to work on some things, and Dad sent him with me for several days to help work on the fence. And, and we got more done that way. And then right at the end, my brother Tom was home then, and he came up and he started doing some more. And in fact, dad had told us again and again, now don't you guys separate because those fences, we don't know where they all go. And so we listened until the last couple of days and we just realized we're never going to get this done if we keep going the same way. So Tom went on ahead. I stayed on the fence I was on and we had agreed to meet at a certain place, like about four o'clock, five o'clock in the afternoon. So we'd walk back to the Jeep. I got there to that place and no Tom. And I didn't know where to go. I fixed a little more fence. I could I could see that where I was, the fence wasn't fixed. And I kept hollering and yelling. And finally, Tom shows up coming up over a different hill than I ex ever expected. <laughs> he had gotten on a different fence and was fixing fence. And suddenly he found he was clear down in a different drainage system completely. I don't know whose fence he was fixing, but I'm sure they were happy when they got there. <laughs> I guess dad knew what he was talking about there. Don't get separated. One time while well, we were working on the fence, when that hired hand, I don't remember his name, I think maybe it was Carl, was with me one lunchtime. We had been building a fence, cutting up through some pretty heavy timber. And we came to a place where the fence was a bunch of old poles. And so we had to fix those poles. And that's why we had the axe with us and put in some new poles. And it looked sort of like a corral fence there for, oh, I don't know how far, maybe uh, 75 yards, maybe 100 yards. But it, it looked good. We'd gotten that fixed and it was time for lunch. So we were sitting up on the hillside having lunch and just resting there in the shade a little bit. And we looked down, and there, right where we had been, not 15 minutes before, a great big old bear walks out across there, came to the fence that had just been fixed, and you can look, you see him kind of look and say, 
what happened here? And he just crawled up over the top of that rail fence and just kept on going. That's part of ranching. It's not always glamorous, but it's always necessary. We also had to put up a lot of hay on our ranches because we were up in snow country, especially there in Newcastle, but even down there in Fruta, which is lower elevation, but we still have to feed the cattle in the winter. But there's a lot of snow up at Newcastle, and we put up tons and tons and tons of hay. I don't remember the exact figure, but it was probably somewhere around 6,000 tons of hay or more. I, I think it probably was more than that. We tried to get two cuttings of hay from where we'd been irrigating the whole time. Some of it was alfalfa, some of it was brome, some of it was just grass, but we did a lot of putting up hay. And when you're doing that, you work really hard. You get out there almost as soon as you can. Somebody wrote once that uh, ranching, you work from can see to can't see. And even beyond there a little bit, because we had lights on our tractors and Sometimes it was pretty dark before we got in back to the house. You want to get it going fast because once you get the hay cut, if it rains on it, you have to wait. And being Colorado mountains, it does rain. So you kind of watch the weather and you try to get the hay down. There at Newcastle for a couple of three years, we had quite a system going. My brother Tom was the one who ran the swather. The swather is what, like cuts the hay and puts it into windrows all at once. So uh, we didn't have to rake it that way. And then my job was to be the baler. And the baler is the machine you pull along and after the hay has cured, it goes into it and puts it into bales. And at this time, uh, very few people, I don't know if anybody was using the big round bales that you see today or the the big square bales. Our bales were all rectangle bales. A lot of people made them around 75, 80 pounds. Dad did not believe in that. And we had things adjusted on the baler. So our bales were between 95 and 100 pounds because the bigger they are, the less you have to feed. We figured out that we probably handled every bale about four times before they were ever fed. So I would run the baler and then we had a uh, self-stacker that dad would run and it would go and pick up the bales automatically and he would be able to stack them in a haystack. Uh, I forget, I think that one you, we could do, I don't know whether it was, was it 72 bales at a time or something like that. You could uh, stack a lot of hay. And so the three of us could put up a lot of hay. My mom and my sister, they helped with some things uh, with the hand, but it was with us especially. We all learned to work on our machines a lot. I remember the baler that I had. It was an older New Holland baler, but I think New Holland is a good brand, but this one was pretty old. It, it kept starting to have problems, and suddenly you look back, and there something was wrong, and all you had was big piles of hay behind you, and I'd have to stop and fix it and figure out what was going on, and it was a mess. I, I remember, here I was, I'm in high school, uh, first year or two of college, and and uh, having dreams at night about having to fix that baler. It was so bad. It, it got to where I knew that baler back and forth. And in fact, we got to the place where the New Holland Place in Glenwood Springs, 
the, the people who worked on the machines there would call us up and and ask us, and especially ask me, how do you fix the baler when it does this? Because we had done it so much. It was enough to drive you crazy. And then, you know, there were times in the middle of the afternoon, it was hot, you start nodding off. I remember one time I was bailing away and suddenly I woke up and I had been driving sound asleep, cutting down across the field. It could have been really dangerous. But I woke up, nothing was wrong, except I had bales all facing the wrong direction. There was a lot of hay, and then a lot of times with hay, then you also have to put it up. We had the self-stacker, and you didn't have to work too many by hand. But there were many places where we were where we had to then load it up on a big trailer pulled by a tractor and take it to a place and then restack it. One summer... Uh, actually, a couple of summers when we were living in Rifle, uh, we were living in town at the time. My summer job partly was, we called it bucking bales, uh, working for different ranchers and going out and picking up bales, stacking it. That was a hot, dirty job, but it was kind of fun to see how many you could stack. I also worked on a place that uh, cut loose hay and did not bale it. They just put it down, cut it down with a regular mower and then we had to rake it with an old side delivery rake. Then you pick it up with kind of a fork on a, on a, on a tractor and bring it to a place. It's called a Mormon stacker. And you put it on this wooden frame and then another machine would bring that up and toss the hay into the pile. And to learn how to stack that so that it was a good square stack was was really quite an art. Uh, you learn to bring your edges way out and build it up so you don't have a, a crown right away on your stack. You wanted your stack to be flat and you use these big old pitchforks to move the hay around and it was really uh, an interesting thing. I don't know of very many people that do that anymore. Driving through Parts of Colorado just recently, I saw a couple of the old Mormon stackers sitting there off to the side, nobody using them anymore. But that was really an interesting way and sometimes a pretty fun way to put up hay. But it was a hot, dusty job. Once we got done with all the hay, and the next part was, and in the wintertime, then you had to feed it all. And so you had to take the bales, take them, put them on the wagon or whatever you're using and take it out to the cattle and break those bales apart and feed the cattle again with all that hay that you'd spent most of the summer putting up. Like I said, we handled those bales an awfully lot. One place we lived there in Pagosa on the Wimenuch place, we actually used a team of horses and a wagon to feed with just because there was so much snow. The wagon had uh, sled on the bottom, and then we could just slide along the runners there and stay pretty much where we wanted to be in the snow because that snow was so deep. And that was always fun with the uh, horses there. You felt like you were really doing something, moving the horses and feeding the hay. Th that part was really, really pretty fun. There were lots more things with ranching that sometimes it wasn't always fun springtime and there was so much snow, the snow started to melt 
and suddenly the barnyards would be full of mud and muck, and you would have two or three weeks of just walking in mud. Yep, being a cowboy is not always that glamorous. But you know, as I think about it, it was a great way to live, a really great way to grow up. Wish you all could have some of those opportunities too. As hard as they were, it was working outside and seeing a lot of all of God's creation and what he made. Well, I'll see you again next time. Thanks for listening to Cowboy Jim's stories around the campfire.